Hey there! Did you know Kroger always gives you savings and rewards on top of our lower-than-low prices? And when you download the Kroger app, you'll enjoy over $500 in savings every week with digital coupons. And don't forget fuel points to help you save up to $1 per gallon at the pump. Want to save even more? With a Boost membership, you'll get double fuel points and free delivery. So shop and save big at Kroger today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Savings may vary by state. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Ah, man, a lot of bloodbath going on in the NBA. I sure hope Washington actually pulls that upset and becomes the upset team I'm looking forward to. The FBI director has been fired by the Orange Overcomb. Yeah, totally destroying America every chance he gets. Uh, let's see, um, wait. CGI is ruining filmmaking? Wait, wait. I want more practical effects instead of CGI? the hell kind of world do I live in? Really? This dark age stuff is really holding us back. You know what? It can't be waited any longer. It has to be done now. You know, I really need to move this show back up earlier in the week, don't I? Because you know, on the real, this world needs new heroes. Let's do it. Welcome to the J-Man Show here on G360 Radio. Hello, J360 Legion, and it's good to be back on the J-Man Show for episode 24. I'm your host, Jay, of course, and man, do we have some issues to cover today. (laughs) But hey, don't worry, don't worry. It's not a Black Label episode today. As a matter of fact, it's quite different. You see, I'm only going to touch on this a little bit, but how is it that we as a nation are so far back now that... Even the most simplest thing of asking a question about what the orange overcomb is up to is liable to get you in serious hot water. Needless to say that the people that are usually getting the brood of this are the ones that are doing their jobs. You need competent people in charge of these offices. You cannot have this whole thing run by a gaggle of idiots. I mean, this this doesn't make any sense anymore. You see what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I'm talking in terms of the firing of former FBI director James Comey. You know, Comey has made some interesting investigations. I mean, like, we all seen the 2016 election, haven't we? That's how we got to this point. You know, but needless to say, you were all warned in that about what kind of person you were going to put in this office. And needless to say, you went for the second choice. You know, and there could be a whole factors of why this has happened, but we're not going to get into it. See, the firing of Comey during a time when there's a lot of civil unrest and everything else, it's just a political backfire. And you see, Trump stands with anything he does. Even though it could be the most morally wrong, it could be the most critically destructive thing for our country, this fool will go ahead and do it. And needless to say, like, we already have enough problems going on with uh, all the people that follow him, not to mention the guy who's in charge of the FCC, Patel. So as he's still in charge and trying to find ways to ship and control the internet, it's just a lot of stuff is going down, folks. Don't ever think about fear of us going to war. We are already in a war. 
as far as I'm concerned. We at this time when our nation has to prove that we are better than our government. And right now our government has just gone to pot because all these fools are showing off. I mean, did y'all see the Sally Yates? I should call it a debacle. But did you see the whole hearing and everything else? And then Ted Cruz and his sorry ass up there doing that kind of stuff. But how she fired back and made him pretty much ream Ted Cruz. So right there, that was enjoyable for me. I I was happy to see that. Because, you know, nobody likes Ted Cruz. As a matter of fact, because of Ted Cruz acting that way, there's a reason why he was sitting there collecting calls for Trump. This guy thought he could be a president. The man is barely a senator. But moving forward, there's a lot of people in Incompetence Inc. that have a severe axe to grind against everybody. And it's getting to that point where it's a lot more ridiculous than it needs to be. I am going to say this much though, like, it's a negative score to fire the FBI director when you don't have anybody in place. You can disagree, but you have to work together. See, this guy wants to work with people he like. And the ones that like him a lot more than he likes them. That's the thing. It doesn't work like that. In real life, it doesn't work like that. Maybe in Trump Tower, and maybe in whatever little bullshit world he lives in, it works like that. But, no, nah, it, does, it doesn't work like that. You're not going to always work with people you like. Okay? That's a little realism for all of you out there that think that this delusional way of doing things is... The best way to have people on your side, no, it doesn't work like that. I know this from a standpoint, because a lot of people don't like me, and needless to say, I don't like them. But the thing is, if there is a road there that where we can actually achieve something, you know, it's bigger and better than our egos and our preferences. You know what I'm saying? It's supposed to be a line you don't cross, but allegedly it doesn't take much to step on somebody's toes these days, and some people don't know how to tone their fifis off. See, the thing about Comey was, Comey was finding some stuff. And you notice that he was getting a lot closer to the whole Russian probe allegation. So as that was becoming a thing, <laughs> old Donnie boy, he he didn't incriminate himself enough apparently by going ahead and cutting this man from his job. If I was him and I had something to hide like that, it's been a good run. But outside of all this stuff, now he just made himself look even more guilty by pulling this string. He's like, my critics would thank me. No, your critics have more flack to go on. Far from it. See, this is what happens when you're not being tactful. You don't start a war you can't hope to win. And needless to say, this man, so many things are just firing off the gambit because, you see, it's pretty much the billionaire's ball over there. And these are not the billionaires that are actually living within our conventions here. Like, I I can understand that some people are not getting the best in life. Some people are trapped in a world they never made. But needless to say, you can do something about it. It's just like when you go to, like, a pyramid scheme sort of scenario, they're going to give you that shot of optimism, right? That's pretty much what this whole Trump thing was was anyway. It feels like a giant pyramid scheme, and we're all the pyramid. We're all at that bottom of the pyramid, as far as I'm concerned, because the ones that are up there at the top, you see them every time you take a look at his Twitter profile and everything else. All those people that were out there having a park celebration as soon as the healthcare bill, which is very flawed, by the way, went through to the house, they all them people standing right there, that's your top of the pyramid right there. No matter how you look at it, we're at the bottom of the pyramid because of nonsense like this. And needless to say, we could climb up, but it's going to take one hell of a jump. And firing the FBI director, who was pretty much doing his job, that, that just incriminates you more. And then not to mention that Mitch McConnell, with his cowardly self, and he denies any idea of getting a special prosecutor. Which, that needs to happen. Should have happened from the get. 
But needless to say, <laughs> it just, it's just, it, see, I, I hate to do this. I really do, but I got to. This, this is stupid. You see what I'm saying? If you know that something is wrong, why are you trying to cover it? Go on ahead and own up to it and get it over with. But you see, Donald Trump hasn't really owned up to too much of anything. These are things that you have to find out basically because of somebody that he knows, that he pissed off. And the dude is pissing off the right people, by the way. It is getting to that point where these people are not facing their constituents. They're not being owning up to anything. And the thing is, we as the American people, we all knew this was going to happen anyway because they try to get rid of the Ethics Center. Remember? The Center of Congressional Ethics? They try to get rid of that. The signs were there. They were going in to do some outrageous crap. Everybody's like, he's trying to give total control back to the states. No, not just that. I think he's trying to totally control everybody. I mean, you all can say 1984 if you want to. I keep saying that it's more of Animal Farm mixed with Fahrenheit 451. Because you see, slowly but surely, our government is becoming the thing that they hate the most. They are so far beyond becoming the way where they are shifting to the point where they're not even being reasonable anymore. They're pretty much being an enemy to the people that they're supposed to protect. And then they got the nerd to want to throw our safety in the mix of it all. We're Fahrenheit 451 because quite a lot of us don't give a damn. Quite a lot of us will sit there and say, we don't care about politics. But when you share like a political post of what's going on, we, we take the time to give a damn enough to comment on it, right? We take the damn this time to come in and say, well, we, I don't care about no politics, but you know, I, I'm a, I am a third party, but I don't trust any of this. Like, deep down on the inside, okay, guess what? Whatever, all right? It's good that you are about something. So that means that you're about something. Yeah, you don't care about shit, but you're about something, right? See the contradiction there? Don't hurt yourself on this. Okay, it's why I don't have religious debates. The point is, is that you know the difference between right and wrong. And while we all have rules and obligations to follow, sometimes them rules are so damn stupid, they need to be broken. And we're getting to that point where there's more pointless, stupid rules that are coming to effect. And they need to be stopped. Like the whole thing with this, this Comey thing, you know, I would go in a little bit more deeper, but if not, it would become a Black Label episode, and I'm not going to do that right now. But I'm also going to say this, Betsy DeVoe getting booed and heckled during her whole graduation speech. Now, you see, that's the top right there. I was happy for every single one of them, because this woman is not about education. Not at all. Anytime you have somebody trying to defund public education and trying to defund the HBCUs themselves and got the nerve to want to stand there and give a speech during a graduation, what is wrong with this country? Seriously. Anything to impede progress, right? Anything to move forward. Let me tell you something. If there's one thing people are afraid of, people are afraid of change. They're afraid to take and make change. They want change, but they're not going to take the time to pursue it. Yeah, there's going to be a moment where you're not making as much money as you used to. There's going to be a moment where, you know, all that livelihood that you had is not there anymore. All there, There's going to be a moment where you may need to change your job so you can have happiness. So you can have a new beginning for yourself. And that's what matters. You know what I'm saying? But you see, nope. Too set in your ways. Nope. I, I can't do without this. No, I need this in my life. And you might find that it is probably the most fakest thing that you could not get anything from. And you still holding on to it. That is the saddest thing about our society. 
You know what I'm saying? See, the thing about it is, when I had my moment of unemployment, I learned to do without things. I learned to become a little bit more of a survivalist. I need to be aware of the value of things. You understand what I'm saying? Sometimes unemployment and sometimes the weirdest things in your life can actually be a wake-up call for you. So that you don't take things for granted. Oh, the surprises in life, right? Now, as I bounced back and got on my feet and got myself together and doing what I need to do, because I have goals, I have livelihoods, I have things that I want to do, but the livelihoods that I'm going for are not the same as the livelihoods I left behind. And needless to say, I had to leave those behind. You understand what I'm saying? You have to make these changes. And you see, right now we are, quote unquote, being governed by people who, yeah, they seem like they were the ideal party because a lot of people didn't want to change their livelihoods. A lot of people didn't want to accept changes. And a lot of people sit there and they say, repeal Obamacare. Like Obama wrote the whole damn thing. Let me tell you something. If anything, the thing went through the process of both the Senate and the House. And who was running the House at the time? You see what I'm saying? Not only are we as a country getting our ass kicked by 2016, we are getting the shit kicked out of us by 2014 because we didn't see this through. You see what I'm saying? When you pretty much put the Republicans in power in the Senate, everything changed, right? All that stuff shifted and they were banking on that stuff. Because allegedly, all that fear-mongering and all that stuff that they try to throw around about the Democrats plan, the Democrats plan. See, that's the thing. Why are we at this stage now? It's supposed to be a big swing dance. We are the United States, okay? We are supposed to be united, not distance and not divided. Yeah, sure, that's not why we're kicking our own ass. But needless to say, things have gotten to the point, and I've said this earlier in the J-Man shows way earlier, Things have gotten to the point where it shouldn't be liberals and conservatives and Democrats and Republicans. No, we need to come together. This, this is ridiculous. And these are old people doing this. Well, I mean wrinkles and ridges and everything doing this crap. Why does it always got to be somebody twice my age starting too much shit? You know what I'm saying? That they can never hope to finish. Sick of it. Something has to be done. A little bit better than what's been going on. And at that point, I don't have time to even deal with your racist shit. The whole structure has changed. And we're going to have to do better than this. But being that I have only so much time in the J-Man show, let's go on into what our real topic is for the day. Because if I'm not dealing with Incompetence Inc., nine times out of ten, I'm usually dealing with the society that follows it. And I might as well just include that in there, but no, no. It's already too damn big. But but let's go ahead and get into our main topic of today. Have you ever just sat there and enjoyed a good movie? You know what I'm saying? Like some of these recent movies that came out, whether they've been pretty good or pretty bad, really depends on you your preference, you know what I'm saying? But have you ever just sat back and enjoyed a good movie and then you see somebody on the net going ahead and complaining and saying that there's too much CGI? Really? You know, we're back in that same scenario again. Like, everybody's always talking about how we're in such an entertainment drought. Everybody's talking about... Ah, uh, just, just talking, just talking. All I gotta say is, in terms of CGI, what's the problem, huh? 
I mean, is it because that they are making these new worlds to actually take us to? Instead of just having a presentation where they tell us about it and we never get to see it because they don't have the ability to create it? I mean, is that the real problem? I mean, is it because when watching Guardians of the Galaxy, like, all the stuff that happens in Guardians of the Galaxy, you're like, Oh, I can't stand the CGI in it. it it's not, it's, it wasn't good for me. See, if you're doing that sort of thing, you're disliking a movie due to cosmetics. It's kind of like not reading a book because they didn't put the right title cover on it. You know what I'm saying? It's like, they'll put the name of the book on there, but they won't put the title cover that shows the aesthetics and you won't read it. You know what I'm saying? See, you can't do that. I know that looks are important. Everybody's running around saying this nonsense because that's the first thing we see. But needless to say, you got to look at it. You got to want to enjoy it. And you got to say, okay, let me be optimistic about this. See, this is how pre-sold franchises actually do make their money because we're already fans of them. We're already the market. You know what I'm saying? But when you got like CGI films, CGI in film is a tool like anything else is the computer generated images it takes us to these new worlds when you got some people that sit there and say oh you know I like movies better when there's no CGI what, what the hell are you talking about CGI has been there some of that scenery you see that you actually enjoy may just be CGI because at the end of the day you know real life can be pretty boring sometimes you want to see like different areas different circumstances you want to see different aesthetics involved in film to bring it to life this is a world that we're coming into to see you know what i'm saying and you're gonna go ahead and blame the sorriness or the sad performance of the movie based on the cgi really it, it wasn't the person's acting it was the stuff in the background that distracted you right oh yeah sure that's that's a great excuse i mean for some people they might have that problem and no offense to any of y'all but damn it's just like you, you can't blame cgi for all the problems and stuff it's an essential use. Filmmaking has evolved since then. It's to the point where we can all make micro blockbusters if we want it to through our phones. And you can actually download an app that'll bring in some CGI effects in your videos, believe it or not. I know a man who actually makes a video channel talking about these apps. The point is, is that when you have people who sit there and complain about this stuff, nine times out of ten, it's either because A, they're not studying on the aspect of what makes it so great, or B, they think that they cannot afford the programs to use it. C, they're so butthurt about Star Wars Special Editions and the prequels because of George Lucas using CGI and destroying their masterpieces to the point where they sit here and they make this complaint. I mean, I can understand, like, the Special Editions weren't perfect. But then again, no movie is perfect. The prequels weren't perfect. I mean, if you think about it, all these movies are flawed. But without CGI, we wouldn't really have, you know, the Lord of the Rings series that good, would we? You see what I'm saying? If you take a look at all that stuff, most of that stuff is CGI. Now, there are locations that were built on set. There were practical effects. Like, have the perfect mix between them both. There's nothing wrong with that. You know what I mean? Mixing the different art styles and actually presenting a strong story to support those art styles is something that every great creative should want to achieve. Now, there's a little thing that could probably go against that, and it could be the budget. You see what I'm saying? Take note that movies have extreme budgets for a reason, so that they can do those wild effects and stuff. CGI has been with us for over 30 years, folks. 
You can't sit there and just look at the modern movies and say, CGI is killing film. That is so stupid. It's an ideologue that should not even be an ideologue. CGI isn't destroying film. Weak story and characterization is destroying film. Filmmaking companies are not pursuing newer stories. They go in for the pre-sold market because people are going to go. It's like if, you know, I got somebody in my team who actually brought this up. You know, he's going to sit there, he's going to talk about superhero films and stuff. But you see, he was going off of a narrative that's been so overplayed. Saying that the superhero trend needs to end. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. The superhero trend doesn't need to end. What you need to do is go ahead and open your mind a little bit, look at the other films that are out there, and don't go to the superhero ones then. Because guess what? You can't participate in that conversation unless you're willing to go and watch some superhero films. It's just like, you know, if you're going to talk to me about Final Fantasy 15 and you're going to try to say, like, because you had to buy DLC, it's not, it's, it's not a good game. The, the Final Fantasy should be a complete story. And it was, but the DLC that you're paying for is actually dealing with another person's story, another person's scenario. It deals with the value of what you're paying for. And we'll get into that whole DLC argument some other time. But that's the way the market is. And right now, with this, these films are made with CGI because there's a story to tell. And usually the CGI is supposed to help carry the story. Like, I can understand, like, some of us, we we deal with the aliens coming to Earth, but sometimes I like to go ahead and deal with us going to the planet. And the thing is, you can use practical effects, but that can only get you so far. And then sometimes practical effects can be a little bit more tedious than CGI. Not to say that, you know, one isn't without its cons and the other one isn't without its cons either. Both are very tedious because this is how meticulous that filmmaking is. Especially when it's, you know, digitized. You have a crew of people working on this in post. And you mean to tell me that you're so upset about it because of the narrative that, oh, they overuse it, they underuse it, they do... No. It depends on the preference and the value. Like, what are you going to use it for? You know what I'm saying? Like, take it from me. As a filmmaker myself, I would use both of them. I would use the practical effects to help carry the effect longer, but I would use the CGI to get the tone right. And if there's explosions and the fight scene and everything else, do you not know how much work goes into making sure that, that stuff looks good? You see what I'm saying? The ones that are on the outside looking in, they're always going to say it, but they're always going to miss the big story about it. And sometimes there's a whole list of factors. It could be the most greatest CGI film ever made, but there is such a thing as poor reviews. Poorly reviewed stuff, such as um, Transformers 2. When you look at Transformers 2... You know there's stuff there that's full of plot holes and things are bad. But it's not the CGI. The CGI, if anything, was the saving grace of the film. And, you know, random explosions and stuff like that. But, you know, you still want to see the robots battle each other. Even though they they did draw Optimus' death a little bit more than it needed to be. And, you know, that was one of my flaws with it. But needless to say, aesthetically... Those films look good because of the designs of the robots, and you gotta give hats off to the designers for actually making them look good on film like that, because they could have looked a lot worse. You know what I'm saying? And like when you look at like certain films such as Ang Lee, you know, when Ang Lee directed The Hulk in 2003 and you saw like the CGI for him, yeah, it looked like hell, didn't it? But you see, the thing is, they got better with it to where they actually got him right now. 
And then when you look at Godzilla 98, that didn't age well, but it doesn't look like shit. You know, it it's just pretty much a sign of the times of the evolution of the technology. Each of these films played a role in the evolution of CGI, and that's what you need. It's a tool. But when you sit there and you complain about it and stuff, I mean, I, like I said, I think we as people, we just naturally need to find things to bitch about. So as we sit here and we complain about these different circumstances regarding the filmmaking market, it's just so sad because you got some people that sit there and do that kind of stuff. And then you have people who are also sitting there saying, I can't use CGI in my film. It's too expensive. There are programs out here you can use for that effect. Now, granted, you might have to do some doctoring up, but After Effects, Hit Film, and Nuke if you do have the money for Nuke. You know, Nuke is pretty much buying Avid. So, there you go. And you're welcome. See, because you can do those video effects. But you just, if you're lazy and you don't take the time and you're not being meticulous with your education on the subject matter, you're not allowing yourself to do it. If you take a good look at, like, the Fantastic Four, Rise of the Silver Surfer, yeah, it was a horrible movie in context, but the special effects in it, especially with the Silver Surfer, they were pretty good. And you can't do something like that with practical effects and give it that shine to it. That's something that needed CGI. But when you have people that sit there and they complain about these things, or it's just it's just what holds filmmaking back. Now we can go back to those early days where we have claymation and we have, you know, puppetry and everything else. We can, but needless to say, it's still tedious. You still have to get things done by a set time. And eventually, do you want to make this release date or not? And you're going to have a lot of people you may have to hire, so that's more for the budget. Because you can't do all that yourself. Much like in CG, you can't do just a lot of things by yourself. I mean, it's convenient in that aspect, but you know, you still have to have a team together to work on it. But you see... That's personnel, and usually that's a different topic than what I have planned for this whole thing. But don't just hate a movie just because it has CG in it. Just remember the genre that it's about. And any movie that you think doesn't have CG in it, oh, I guarantee it does. I really do. Because you know why? Filters, post-op, and everything else, it has some sort of effect. And that is a form of CG because it's computer-generated. So any sort of thing that you sit there and say about this kind of stuff, and you can debate me on this if you want to, it's there. I mean, I remember a friend of mine debating me about The Shadow from 1994 not having CG. Boy, did he lose that argument. Because he's on that narrative and that ideologue. A lot of you do not like the Star Wars prequels. I know. A lot of you do not like the Star Wars special editions. I know. But I know you own them. I know you have copies of them. I know that there is a quiet room in your house somewhere where you have these films you don't like and you sit in the back and watch them. I know you do. Because you know why? You need something to complain about. And to prove your point, you had to buy that copy. Any of these films that you've seen with bad CGI in them and you complain about it and you go all out in your little narrative and stuff, you own this film. I know you do because I own them too. And yeah, just like what I said in my Doom Redemption, remember that? Like the CGI really was underwhelming in that film. I'm not going to say all CGI is good, but I'm going to say it was there because it served a purpose in the movie. 
And see, that's the difference of it all. CGI is a part of our lives, and it doesn't need to be beaten down just because some people just don't like the movie, but they have to find something to hate about the movie to give them that sort of credibility. And I can go in depth with this a little bit more, but not right now, because, you know, we got more to cover in this episode. As a matter of fact, I did remember telling you all last episode that I had two film redemptions for you, but it turns out that that other film redemption is actually going to be used in the next episode because we got to get ready for Alien Covenant. So, I'm going to go ahead and put that one on hold. But you see, the film that I am going to redeem today, however, is a little-known film made by George Lucas during the 80s, and it is a... Fine example of how practical effects and CGI sometimes doesn't make things work out the way you plan them to. And it really depends on the preference of the film. And that film is called Howard the Duck. Howard the Duck is one of those movies that you just look at and you're like, I can't take this seriously. I don't want to take it seriously. And it's so bad it's good. Like, it is such a cheesy film. Like, it's a little man in a duck suit that's pretty much, um... Okay, that's the production value. But, (laughs) you know, the story is about a duck that's sent to Earth via a bizarre space experiment. It's teleported here when they fired a laser on his home planet, and he just happened to get caught in the crossfire. And then as soon as he came to Earth, it was... (laughs) nothing but misadventure after misadventure after misadventure and he really just wanted to come home well one more alien that got transported that was called the dark overlord of the universe you know after Howard was because they were going to send him back and then that alien infected uh, one of the scientists that was in charge of the project it later became more of a hosh posh on things because You see, Howard had a love interest in Beverly, who was a pop singer. Well, not really a pop singer. She was a rock singer, but, you know, for a local local band called the Cherry Bombs. And Howard took over as the manager of the band. You know, it was more of their their story there for a little bit. And then it became more about Howard wanting to go home. And then it became more about Howard and, you know, his newfound... um, Human friends stopping the Dark Overlord, the universe. As you can see, it was multiple stories in one movie. And it suffered from weak story and characterization. But also, Howard the Duck is one of those kind of underdeveloped properties from Marvel back in the day. Either you read it and you knew what this movie was about, or you watched this movie and you're like, gee, this how, this is based on a comic book? And you look back and you see it and you're like, oh my god, it is. And then you just start... You look into it from different avenues, and then you're like, wow, this is wild in the comic book form, and then you see they try to capture it in this movie. But you see, people didn't take, and it was so bad that George Lucas didn't even make as much of the money that he was thinking he was going to make from it. You know, because he was going through a bad divorce and everything at the time, and not to mention, Pixar was actually a project that was going to happen over in Lucasfilms. But you see, the thing is, he had to sell it off to Steve Jobs and everybody at Apple, so one thing led to another. It's amazing how worlds collide. But another interesting tidbit is, you know how Howard is a humanoid duck? You see, he didn't always wear pants. Eventually, he had to start wearing pants because Disney, who wasn't the parent company of Marvel at the time, was threatening to sue because of him being an anamorphic duck 
They thought he was going to look just like Donald, and they were like, oh, my God, no, we can't have this. And then, you know, even though you look at Daffy and you're like, well, you see, the thing about it is Daffy came in at the right time. Howard came in a little later. So, yeah, one thing led to another. Howard just couldn't catch a break even in that regard. And you see, if there's one thing that this movie did get right is that Howard could never catch a break. You know, he was always in something, always in trouble. The the poor guy just wanted to go back home, you know, and well, he didn't. I mean, like it didn't work out that way. It turns out that he actually, you know, had things that he really enjoyed here on Earth. And you see, the thing is, whether you look at the whole cross species romance between him and Bev as like gross or whatever, because that was actually in the comic. So, you know. It is wild, and after a while, you just think this. Well, the girl has a thing for ducks, and he has an eye for the right kind of woman. So as sick as that is, and don't take it out on me and say, oh, Jay's into that. I'm not. I'm just saying in terms of characterization, that's pretty much what their whole storyline is. And you see, you try to take this and make a two-hour film out of it, and it's not going to go anywhere. But when you take a look at this movie and you're saying, okay, it's so cheesy, it's so bad, it's good. You, you can't take it seriously because, see, even the characters in the Marvel Universe that run into Howard and see him and everything else, they don't take him seriously either. I think poor Spider-Man was like, dude, I know it was a good team up between us, but I don't think I ever want to team up with you again. <laughs> you know what I mean? He said he think it would be good for his sanity if they didn't team up again, which they actually did. And not only that, this movie actually inspired more Howard fans to the point where after, you know, Steve Gerber and Marvel settled their differences, that Howard was given a whole new run and everything else. So, you, you see, sometimes a bad movie that comes from a property can actually make the original property better because it was so bad that people were interested to see where this idea came from. You see what I'm saying? So sometimes when you make a flop, it's not necessarily a flop. It's a flop in one medium, but it might be a success in another medium. That's just the way it works. Like, I'm sure the worst thing I'll probably create will probably be the one that will make things happen, you know? And that goes for any of you other creatives out there. If you make something that seems like it completely sucks, chances are it has success in there somewhere. And the thing is, is just give it that push. And that's all you really need to do. But for those of you out there that want to look at a cult film, you know, look no further than Howard the Duck. Because Howard the Duck is just... <laughs> what, 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 what can you say about Howard the Duck that hasn't already been said, you know? It's just uh, one of those movies that everybody knows it's bad, but it's so good that it is bad that... You need to watch it if you haven't watched it. It deserves at least one watch. And that being said is why it's being redeemed on the J-Man show today. It's a crowd favorite. Like, I remember sitting there watching it with my dad. I was like, even as a little kid, I was like, wow, this is so unbelievably bad. But I, I like it. And a matter of fact, I think my dad said I even ran the tape out one time by just rewinding it back and watching it multiple times. And not only that, as a filmmaker, you want to watch bad movies or quote bad movies because, you know, episode 10 def depends on preference. But you want to watch these kind of films because it teaches you of what not to do. And you see, the thing about it is, that film is a pinnacle of what not to do when it comes to story and characterization. But it also lets you know that you can go ahead and make something <laughs> outrageous and it will find its audience eventually. Because, see, as age got to this film... 
a lot of people look at it fondly now. So, you know, it's little things like that that brings life to certain movies. And the second film I'm going to keep as a surprise because I'm going to hold it over to 25. Because there's a lot of bad movies I need to watch. And so we're going to consider 25 to be a bad movie episode. So, yeah. And a lot of movies I need to watch. And needless to say, this franchise, as a matter of fact, it's going to be a combination of two franchises. And those two franchises have are in dire need of reboots but let me tell you this much though you're going to be in for a surprise and you're going to enjoy it because it's going to be something that you'll least expect and i'm going to keep it under wraps so you know a matter of fact it might be an episode full of film redemption so wish me luck on this but i need to go on ahead and take a swing for it and outside of all that that's all i have for you for the j-man show today you know because i wanted to go ahead and you know, try to handle this CGI conversation. You know, I wanted to handle this CGI conflict that people have, and I also wanted to address, you know, a cult film that was dear to me and give it a redemption. So, you know, I think I succeeded in both regards, if I'm not mistaken. But then again, this isn't about me too to my own horn. And for those of you that actually... Yeah, you know, I'm sure some of you probably called me out on this, but I didn't have a question of the week for you last week and you know that's mostly because i was trying to get all the j360 franchises together again so i apologize for not having one for you and considering it was a black label episode it would have been out of place so i will start these up again on episode 25 and hold me to it <laughs> now nah, i'm just kidding i'll remember but outside of all that though that's it for the j-man show today ladies and gentlemen and i'd like to thank all of you for coming in Please come back next Thursday at 7 p.m. And we are going to be discussing, you know what, it's a secret. I'll see you then, all right? Laters.